Hi, my name is Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas and I'm the minister at Richmond Uniting Church and you are welcome here. You're welcome if you're part of the Richmond Uniting community or if you connect with us sometimes or if this is the very first time you've discovered us and joined in with our audio worship. And you're welcome here today wherever you're at on your faith or doubt journey. It's often a mixture of the two. It's not a kind of binary. As we say each week at Richmond Uniting Church, you're welcome here. Please participate as much or as little as you feel able. And we say this because... We know that God longs to meet us as we are, not as we think we should be. As we're gathering this audio worship, we're also beginning to open up to face-to-face worship. We'll continue offering this audio worship because we know some people can't join us. And um, over time, that might become a live stream or something. But at least for now, there'll continue to be audio worship pre-recorded on the website each week. And as we gather for this worship, I invite you to take a moment to arrive. You might like to light a candle at home or wherever you are. I have a candle lit here. If you'd like to have some paper and pens or pencils close by, please feel welcome to so that you can pause the worship at any point to make some notes, to make an art response, to do some journaling. Or you might like to pause if you're with others so that you can discuss what's coming up for you. Throughout this whole strange COVID lockdown time, this audio worship has sought to be participatory. And there are silences in the worship, but I haven't lost my place. This is an invitation for you to pray and for me to pray in the stillness. So in these silences, I am praying. And I invite you into that as well. And it can feel weird or confronting. Silence can be very awkward in our culture in the West. So don't freak out if you're freaked out, if that makes sense. I invite yourself to be gentle with yourself in this space. If the silence feels weird, that's quite normal. Just invite yourself back. Invite yourself to be present to the God who's already present to us. So we take some deeper breaths. We sink into being present in this moment in our bodies. As you sink into the stillness, if you find that your mind is like a washing machine thinking about an issue, I invite you to hand that over to God. Seek God's peace with that situation. If you find your body is really holding tension that you hadn't even noticed until you sat down, you might like to intentionally relax that space or to invite God's healing presence into that space. Let's pray. Holy One, Sacred Three, Blessed Trinity, we turn to you. Ground of our being, loving parent, your life infuses all things. We turn to you. Jesus, word of God among us. You disclose divine reality, that your love is stronger than all our violence. We turn to you. Spirit holy, flowing in creative grace, birthing new life where despair and deathliness dominate, we turn to you. 
precious God, blessed Trinity, holy mystery, holy word, holy spirit. We are still before you. We gather in your name, Jesus, and we know that you are with us. Amen. As we gather today, we honour the people of the Kulin Nation, the Wurundjeri people where Richmond Uniting Church is located. And we honour elders past and present and emerging, as well as elders from across these lands where people are gathering for us in worship. We acknowledge that land has never been ceded and we join our yearnings with the yearnings of God for there to be truth and justice and healing. And we commit ourselves again to this God's way. This Sunday, I don't know about you, but it's quite a shock to realise that Advent is starting this year. Time has been wibbly wobbly, to use a Doctor Who quote. And here we are now on the first Sunday in Advent and the music suggestion... I'm offering is this incredibly beautiful old hymn dating back to the 800s. Can you believe it? O come, O come, Emmanuel. And it's a song of longing for the fullness of God's reign, for the fullness of the presence of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. This version is by Sufjan Stevens and the link is on the website, richmond.unitingchurch.org.au. Our first reading is from the psalm and it also speaks of longing, longing for there to be justice and truth, God to intervene. It's Psalm 80 verses 1 to 7 and then 17 to 19. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You've fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbours. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. Let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. I don't know about you, but I love the kind of direct, forthright nature of so many of the Psalms. We might not connect with all of the imagery and all of the words, but my goodness, there is an invitation into um, being demanding and dependent upon God. Our gospel reading is from Mark. And it's, uh, I say that like Mark, like that, because we are diving into the year of Mark. This is the first Sunday in Advent, the kind of beginning of the Christian year. We've been traveling with Matthew right throughout 2020, and now we dive into Mark. It's Mark 13, 24 to 37. And Jesus is speaking here. 
But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. For these words of faith and Jesus the word, thanks be to God. Let's pray and then we'll dive in to explore this reading. Tender God, please, through alchemy of great spirit, breathe life into these ancient words for us right now. Guide my words and all of our listening and speaking so that we may hear what you are saying to each one of us and have the courage to respond. To Christ we pray. Amen. So this week... Driving along Punt Road, a very busy road in Melbourne, I saw a billboard poster in a distance. It was on the other side of the road through multiple lanes of traffic. And it said this, hope is essential, but not a strategy. I was too far away to see what this billboard was advertising or who was sponsoring it. But the word struck me, hope is essential, but not a strategy. And the word struck me for a few reasons. In part because this Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent, is traditionally focused on hope. In many churches, including in ours, there's an Advent wreath and there are four candles. And each week we light a candle, particularly gathering the children around to light the candles. And each week has a theme. And in the first week, the theme is hope. So I've already been thinking about hope quite a lot. And to be honest, I've been pondering why I'm left cold by talk of hope sometimes. And I think this is because I react against any easy notions about hope. That hope is about believing that everything is just about to be awesome. I react against this kind of wishful thinking hope because I know it's not true. Sometimes life can be full of unexpected suffering, whether it's illness or death, or whether it's betrayal of relationships or friendships. I am deeply suspicious when Christians morph Christianity into a kind of belief in God as a fairy godmother, a kind of false hope that God will grant you all your wishes if you hope hard enough or pray some magic words. This has so little to do with the way of Jesus, the holy human one who calls us into costly, generous compassion, into vulnerable living and giving, who enters 
uh, human violence and suffering going all the way to the brutal cross. This is not a happy ending world, friends. And it's a lie. It's also just a plain lie that if you hope hard enough, somehow good things will happen. It's a great marketing ploy, but it's a lie. So I'm interested in what hope might mean if you don't want to sign up for lies that life is going to be happy ever after. Of course, we could resort to some kind of reality that there's no hope, like kind of nihilism, and many people do. But I don't think that's a legitimate answer for Christians either. So what might grounded faithful, honest hope look like beyond wishful thinking and beyond nihilism? Because that's what I'm interested in. Something far more honest and authentic and I think actually something more active. My sense is that robust hope from a Christian perspective is not focused on particular outcomes. Instead, it is grounded in God's kindness. Authentic Christian hope that rests upon the conviction that God is steadily working for the good, weaving together creative possibilities in her own ways, and that she will weave this together in our lives too, if we let her close in the middle of the mess. This is not hope as a strategy, as the billboard said. This is not about trying to convince ourselves that everything is awesome or about to be awesome. This is not positivity, pop culture. If you say it enough, it'll be yours. This is something far deeper and more essential and more honest and also more vulnerable. It's about leaning into the hope, into the heart conviction that despite all the toxic and ugly ways people can act, including us, Despite the greed and the hate and the fear and the violence so often on display, God's kindness is stronger. And God's love cannot be defeated. And God's life births the new. Because this is the conviction at the centre of Christianity. That in Jesus we discover the God one who endures our betrayal and suffering and pain and violence. Who does not inflict any of these things. And what is more is not pinned down by our hate or death dealing. In the crucified and risen Jesus we discover that divine love is stronger than all fear. That the peace of Christ is greater than all violence. The blessing of God is stronger than any, any human curse. This is the kind of active hope that we're called into, not just to agree with, but to participate in. And in my experience, when we choose to lean into this divine reality, to put our hope in this reality, to trust in this divine kindness, when we choose to collaborate with God in the middle of the mess, God's surprising healing and wholeness and creativity, God's surprising love and freedom grow 
emerge, change reality in all kinds of unexpected ways. And when we lean into this force field, we're sustained with what we need in the middle of the mess. This is hope with hiking boots on. Not a hope that is based on knowing the outcomes, but about trusting in God's sustaining presence in the middle of it all, drawing our energy from God in this. Today in the reading that we hear from Mark, it's pretty confronting. It's full of apocalyptic themes. It's full of ancient cosmic symbols and metaphors. It draws from other texts from the First Testament. And this passage might feel like a pretty weird choice for the first Sunday in Advent, the journey to Christmas, but it actually is linked with hope. The idea that Advent is the season for getting ready for the inbreaking of God. But I have to admit, I totally admit that the hope can be hard to see in this passage in Mark, especially if you have ever been on the receiving end of Bible bashing about end times. If you've been told that end times are coming soon and you have to believe certain things, the things that the person's telling you, or you'll be left out, it can actually really be hard to even listen to this passage, let alone dive into it, and I acknowledge that. But almost always context helps, and I think it's often better if we can to look at these passages that have been turned into weapons so that we can actually lean into what they might really be about. So context, context for this passage in Mark is it's written in the common era and it's written at a time when Jewish people, remember Jesus is Jewish, when Jewish people are living under occupation. The Roman Empire dominates and it is often unjust and cruel and violent. Emperors are claiming to be gods. There's all kinds of sacrilege happening to religious ceremonies for Jewish people. And in this context, as we see across all kind of evidence from texts in this era, apocalyptic thinking, thinking about end times was hugely popular. Why? Because when you're living under violent occupation and you can see no possibility that these powers are going to be overthrown, then leaning into the hope that these unjust systems will be swept away by God, that there will be a great reckoning, this brings incredible nourishing hope and strength. When your back is against the wall and there seems like no hope of external political situations changing, apocalyptic hope, hope of the disclosure of divine truth that God will call the unjust and corrupt powers to account, this is tantalizing. And this is the kind of hope we see in Mark today, this gathering together of apocalyptic themes and hopes. But you may have noticed in the passage, it seems like a contradiction because it's like it's going to happen in this generation. And then the next breath, it's saying no one knows the time, no one knows the hour. There's a huge tension here and it reflects the tension in earliest Jesus communities about this very theme. People were experiencing the risen Jesus in various ways in their fledgling Jesus communities. And this was demonstrating to them the evidence that Rome was not the ultimate power. That while Rome could murder this God one Jesus, 
Jesus was not held down by the empire's violence or death dealing. And you could see from many logically why they would then assume, well, Jesus must be about to return and consummate the whole thing, this revolution of love and justice and peace, that the inbreaking of the kingdom was just about to be fulfilled. And yet, it's not happening. These words in Mark hold this tension, this already not yet tension. And I think they continue to warn us. Don't get arrogant. Don't get seduced. Don't pretend to play God claiming more knowledge than you have about the future and when God will act. While the imagery in this passage can be alien and for some off-putting, while this imagery is full of ancient symbols, I think the tension in the passage is helpful because it reminds us again that the call into authentic Christian hope is not about controlling the future or predicting the future or telling anyone else that we have the claims of knowledge about that. Instead, it's a call into active hope that God is present and weaving the good that God's life and love revealed in Jesus are stronger than all our death dealing and are breaking into the world right now. Leaning into this hope is not about predicting the future. It's not about fear-mongering. Oh my word, it's not about fear-mongering. Nor is it about simplistically pretending that everything's about to be great. It's about tuning into the healing, creative energy of God the one who brings love and life out of hate and death the one who comes to us in Jesus the crucified and risen and present one Christian hope is not a strategy instead robust Christian hope is about leaning into the essential divine reality, the energy field of God, and staying awake to that, joining in with that right here and now. Amen. So some wondering questions for your week in this first week of Advent of Getting Ready. I wonder how you react to the word hope, whether you're like me and it's a bit ambiguous or whether you're warm to it. Second question, do you find it easy to be hopeful or does fear or worry dominate you? Like where does that sit for you at the moment? Thirdly, how might you cultivate robust hope that is not about predicting outcomes or pretending that everything will be awesome how might you cultivate robust hope and share robust hope share this kind of hope with others that draws its strength from the active energy of God the God who weaves the good and brings new life amidst deathliness in the middle of the mess. So how might you cultivate this kind of hope that leads into the energy of God and how might you share it? That's quite a challenging question. But how might you share that hope this week that doesn't fall into, you know, the greeting card kind of version of hope? We're going to pray. Let's get real with God. 
All around the world, there's this pattern of prayers of letting go. It's not a guilt trip, friends. It's not about the minister forgiving you. That We stand clearly in the Protestant tradition about all of us coming to Jesus for healing. This is simply an invitation for every single one of us to get real with God about what's going on in our lives and to seek God's liberation. God's freedom, God's release. Because the word forgive, feo in the New Testament, the Greek word, it literally means let go or release. So let's pray. Precious God, ground of our being, water of life, fire of truth. Blessed Trinity, you call us into hope robust and living hope but hope can be hard because sometimes we crave certainty about the future and sometimes we fall into despair please meet us in the middle of the mess and help us to lean into your sustaining hope your risen life your power to bring healing and newness amidst the pain and the violence. By your grace, free us a little more from fear so that we can live into your love for all things, sharing this love. In the silence, we bring you our truth. Jesus, the crucified and risen one, our living hope, we pray. Amen. Friends, hear these words from St. Paul. God was in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self, not counting our trespasses, what we owe against us, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So friends, hear Christ's word of grace to every single one of us. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We're going to pray for our beautiful broken world. Prayer is not a passive thing. It's not a pleading thing. It's an active thing. It's an active way of being, of becoming a portal for grace, a vessel for divine love to flow through. So friends, Let's bring our yearnings to God for there to be healing and wholeness in our world. There's a response. May there be new life. May your mercy flow through us. May your mercy flow through us. Let's pray. Tender God, we pray for those who have no hope right now. Those we know, those we do not know, who are stuck in despair, in violence or in poverty. May there be safe spaces. May there be wise supports. And may meaningful new ways forward emerge. May there be new life. 
May your mercy flow through us. We pray for our beautiful broken world, especially those places being torn apart by war or violence. We pray for the people of Yemen and Ethiopia, for people in parts of the USA where violence and fear dominate. May there be wise political responses, give strength to leaders so that violence can be called to account, so that new ways of peace can emerge. May there be new life. May your mercy flow through us. We pray for those who are ill and those who are dying right now. May there be peace. May there be gentleness. May your comfort be present. May there be new life. May your mercy flow through us. We give thanks for all those who have worked so hard to keep us safe and for all those on the front line. We pray for teachers who are tired at the end of such a difficult year. We pray for nurses and doctors and shop workers and bus drivers. Please strengthen them right now. May they know how grateful we are. And may there be new life. May your mercy flow through us. We give thanks for announcements in Victoria that there'll be new social housing. May there be wise planning and implementation so that those in the most need, those with the most insecure housing can establish new homes, new lives, new possibilities. May there be new life. May your mercy flow through us. In the silence we pray for those on our hearts right now. May there be new life. May your mercy flow through us. And together we pray as Jesus inspired us. And I've been thinking about the Lord's Prayer this week as well and how much of the call of Jesus to call God, call the divine Abba, Dad. As I've said before, it's not about the gender of God. It's about uh, discovering that God loves us as a parent. But what I realized this week, it's also, it's not just about uh, seeing God differently. It's about seeing ourselves differently. It really struck me on a new level this week about really claiming and discovering and uh, living into, relaxing into our identity as beloved children of God. Beloved children, regardless of our experiences of parents or leaders or caregivers or others in our lives, that we are beloved children, each one of us, of God. So let's pray. Our Abba in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
break in. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory, they're yours now and forever. Amen. What a prayer in empire context, friends. The kingdom, the power and glory are yours. The God of Jesus, the gentle one, that's where the power is. The final song suggestion for today is by Sandra McCracken. It's called Steadfast and it's on the website and it has these incredible words that I think speak of the hope that we've been exploring today. These words include, In your watchful care I will rest secure. As you lead us with your light, it's talking about resting in God and we can only really genuinely rest and relax when we feel safe. And so that speaks of that invitation into a hope which is lived, which is about resting in the reality of God's kind presence. In your watchful care, I will rest secure as you lead us with your light. I will not trust in the strength of kings, she goes on, but in your promise I will stand. It's pretty beautiful. I hope you enjoy it. A final blessing for the journey. Friends, the truth is that authentic hope is not about clinging to deluded fairy tales, that everything's going to be awesome, but about leaning into the active presence of God right here and now in the middle of the mess. She who weaves the good and brings love out of hate and new life out of death. So go strengthened in robust essential hope. And as you go into this week, may the love of God, holy mystery, holy wisdom, holy flame be upholding you, sustaining you and encircling you in the name of Christ. Amen.